Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast where we break down some of the main news headlines in the financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of foreign exchange. My name is Matthew Ryan, Senior Market Analyst here at eBrew, and I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Market Analyst Roman Zaruk. So this podcast is all about the foreign exchange market. We aim to take a look at some of the main news stories in FX, discuss them, and give our view on what they might mean for currencies going forward. So we're now on to episode 11 of FX Talk, recorded on Tuesday, the 29th of September. And on today's podcast, we talk about the second wave of virus infection in Europe and its impact on the foreign exchange market. We'll then discuss our thoughts ahead of November's US presidential election. And then, as always, we'll end with our spotlight currency for the week, which this week is the Japanese yen. Okay, so it's been another relatively hectic week in the FX market in the past sort of seven days or so. Uh, fears surrounding a second wave of virus infection in Europe have dominated trading in the FX market. In countries such as Spain, France, and Netherlands, for instance, are seeing new daily high case numbers. New cases in the UK also up and above the 6,000 per day level, which is around the level they were during the peak of the pandemic. And we're seeing signs of increased contagion in countries such as Belgium, Portugal and Switzerland, for instance. And now I noticed a few weeks ago that we thought that the rising cases were due largely to, due to higher testing, uh, but that no longer seems to be the case. We've seen the rate of growth in new cases exceed the rate of growth in new testing. So while testing has increased across the continent, this explains away only a small fraction of the increase in virus numbers. So authorities have reacted accordingly. We've seen tighter restrictions imposed in many countries. Parts of Madrid, for instance, are in lockdowns. Gatherings have been limited with hospitality venues closed early or closed altogether in some parts of the region, uh, some regions, I should say. Uh, and national lockdowns do appear unlikely, although authorities have warned that further restrictions could be on the way. So we've seen FX markets react accordingly and in a similar fashion to how they did during the onset of the crisis. Uh, the safe haven dollar has rallied sharply against its major peers. Euro dollar, for instance, is now, or at least was, back around the 116 level earlier in the week. Meanwhile, higher risk currencies, namely emerging markets, uh, have sold off pretty aggressively to the threat of more virus restrictions. And so, so what are your guys' thoughts on this second wave that we're seeing in Europe, Europe particularly the reaction that we've seen in the FX market? Um, the, the second one that we're seeing in Europe, I think uh, it's, it's of a different nature than the first one. Clearly, uh, a variety of factors mean that the, the lethality of the virus is, is at least, it seems to be one of the lamentably lower. Uh, perhaps mostly the fact that we are testing in Europe a lot more people than we were earlier in the pandemic, which means that probably the number of contagions earlier in the pandemic were dramatically underestimated. And now we have some, the, the current estimates of the second wave are roughly in line with reality. Second, possibly the fact that uh, the healthcare systems and healthcare providers have learned through trial and error to cope with, uh, with the effects of the virus better at hospitals. So the death rates as a percent of hospitalizations are also going down. And in terms of effects, I would, not of, I don't think what we have seen in the last two weeks is very dramatic. If you look at uh, if you look at the twelve month chart in Euro dollar, oh, we uh, we still 
the dollar has still given up all of the gains that he had at the at the bottom of the crisis, at the worst in those times of the pandemic. Uh, it's flopping around in 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 this sort of one sixteen through one twenty uh, range, and a lot of its failure to to cross above the one twenty level and and the establishment of this range, I still think has to do with with a significant short positioning that the speculative traders have in, in the dollar. If you look at the IMM uh, speculative position, which is the most uh, probably the most reliable indicator of whether speculators are long or short a given currency, they're still very much long the euro by, by record amounts. And it's difficult for for any currency to continue to rally when most speculators have already uh, uh, gotten short the currency, so I wouldn't overreact to the, the recent sell-off in the euro. We still think that I still think that the uh, the path of least resistance of the medium term for euro dollar is upwards. Yes, so generally, I think that when it comes to the euro dollar, the reaction hasn't been really as dramatic. But you know, still considering what we have been left with in the past uh, weeks, uh, this serves as something of a surprise, I would say. But if we look uh, at the emerging markets, there the reaction was really strong, especially if we look at the emerging markets in Europe. And uh, some of them have moved to the levels which we have not seen uh, since uh, the height of the pandemic. Uh, and this, I would say that there is uh, somewhat of an overreaction in those particular currencies. So I, I think that the market just basically got quite surprised that the governments are started acting basically in, in just one week. And we got a lot of uh, information uh, about the targeted measures in a number of European cities and sometimes on a national level. And also this led to uh, increased perception of a likelihood, increased uh, implied probability of a nationwide lockdowns. Uh, but I, I would think that uh, after this, initial shock that the markets received when the countries in Europe started imposing those restrictions, uh, those targeted restrictions, I would think that the next few weeks shouldn't bring us, uh, you know, the, the same level of volatility and uh, shouldn't bring us the, the same level of the dollar strength, especially as you said that uh, this first move uh, last week uh, was likely uh, more significant because of the uh, very uh, bearish dollar positioning and very bullish euro positioning. And uh, so I would just think that this is maybe a shift in a uh, short-term expectations, but I don't think that it will lead to a uh, change in, in the trend in the euro dollar. I don't think that we are going to see a very strong dollar going forward. And I think that the markets and investors have generally overreacted a bit because they have just been shocked with the new new things, those, uh, those uh, lockdowns in parts of Madrid, those uh, curfews on the opening hours, etc. at bars and restaurants in many countries, well, in some countries at least. Uh, so uh, when we get used to those news, and we likely will get used to it, I don't think that the reaction will be as significant, especially if we are not going to see nationwide lockdowns. And I definitely don't think we are going to see that, uh, especially considering the death numbers, which are uh, very low, uh, frankly, considering uh, what we have seen uh, during the first wave. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right there. I think we possibly do have a little bit of an overreaction in the market. 
Um, so far, yeah, I mean, the good news is that European governments appear, for the most part, against um, the imposition of more national lockdowns, which would be a bit of an economic disaster. So the fact that they seem opposed to that is good news for the markets. Uh, but having said that, I think it does appear very likely that we'll see tighter restrictions as we enter into the winter months, as cases will probably continue to increase, probably more in the form of regional lockdowns. So I think if we were to start seeing more regional lockdowns across the continent, if this was to start to be reflected in a more meaningful way in European economic data relative to the rest of the world, and we've already seen that uh, in a couple of disappointing um, sentiment indices, I think we could see a little bit of weakness in the euro in the short term, but yeah, I agree with you both. The longer term, um, certainly still more bullish on the, on the euro um, in, the, in the more longer term. No, I just uh, one thing that, it, that is very important, the distinction Roman made between the euro and most cheap European currencies on the one hand and emerging market currencies. Uh, emerging market currencies had not bounced, had barely recovered on average about half the losses they had in the pandemic and now they have even even half of that small bounce has been given back. So clearly there's a, there's a strong dichotomy between the state of uh, G10 currencies led by the euro versus the dollar and emerging market currencies in general who have performed as worse. Yes, so we could probably say that, uh, sorry, Matthew, that the overreaction in the emerging market currencies uh, has been uh, more significant than in the euro yes. dollar. Yes, I would agree with that. Perfect. Okay, great. I think we're about time to move on to our next topic, which is um, this November's US president, presidential election. And with pretty of everything else going on in the world, this year's election has gone largely under the radar, certainly more so than it has done in previous election years. Uh, now, at the time of the recording, which is Tuesday afternoon here in London, um, President Trump and Joe Biden are yet to engage in their first TV debate, which will take place uh, later this evening. But so far, we've not actually seen a huge FX reaction um, leading up to the election. We have seen a few market jitters, as tends to be the case, leading up to a politically uncertain event of investors uh, favouring the safe haven currencies in the last couple of days or so. Uh, much like it did in 2016, Trump uh, continues to trail in the opinion polls, currently around 7% behind Biden in the latest poll of polls. And of course, it is worth remembering that the opinion surveys prior to the 2016 election also had Trump well behind in the months leading up to the vote because of how the electoral college system, how that works. Uh, winning the popular vote is far, far from guarantees victory on election day, just as it didn't um, for Hillary Clinton in 2016. So a lot of uncertainties surrounding the vote itself, policies of both candidates, and indeed whether or not we'll see a disputed vote. Uh, but I'll pass over to you guys. So what do you think about the election? Is it Perhaps too soon to gauge a potential market reaction? Um, I think that what's different this time is that uh, rather than, than the market trying to figure out who's going to win, I don't think that, uh, that the market really cares that, that much who wins. I don't think either of uh, the candidates would uh, impact significantly uh, uh, stock market or financial markets worthwhile. I think the worry is whether or not we'll have a decision on who won the election on, on the day of the election, on Tuesday, November 3rd. Uh, and here, the uh, the hints by uh, President Trump that he may not accept the verdict of the uh, uh, of of, of uh, the different states on election day, and may try to put up a judicial fight or worse, in order to have uh, mailing ballots invalidated, 
and and the risk that the, the election might end up uh, being decided through judicial means the Supreme Court uh, with the, uh, all the attendant uncertainty and volatility is what markets are concerned about the most, not really uh, which of the candidate wins. Yeah, I would fully agree with that. Uh, but I don't think that this is really a significant threat, or at least that the markets are significantly worried about it, at least not at the moment. And uh, in the days and weeks uh, before the election, we'll see uh, probably whether this holds or not. Uh, but I would think that uh, right now, whether uh, Trump or Biden wins, this is not such a big deal, uh, considering that we will not get the same uh, uh, fiscal package that we did and the, uh, when Trump was elected. So the, the shifts in the markets will probably not be as significant because for once we already know Trump. So if he won, this will not be anything new for the markets. Uh, if Biden wins, uh, he doesn't seem to be a, a very radical candidate, uh, but uh, rather a, a moderate uh, Democrat. So uh, either way, the markets know what they are getting into. And we don't have this significant thing, uh, the, the fiscal stimulus uh, on the side of the president as we had in 2016. So I don't think that uh, this will matter as much. And to whether uh, Trump will give presidency, uh, give up presidency or not, uh, if he uh, if he will not get elected, I think also that this is a topic that is a little bit uh, exaggerated, and that the markets uh, are not really looking as much at it right now. But we'll probably have to see in, in the next few weeks. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that actually we don't really know too much about how each candidate plans to support the economy post virus. Should receive more on that. Um, tonight's debate, hopefully. Um, but yeah, as, as you both mentioned, I think you know, the main risk there that the market is talking about is whether or not we'll see a, a contested vote. Um, if you look at a lot of the, the swing states, um, currently a lot of them are, are too close to call, particularly likes of Florida, North Carolina. The last few weeks, the opinion polls have been very, very close. Um, so there is a chance we could get a disputed vote uh, in those states. If that were to be the case, actually, I think the US dollar would probably rally just with safe haven status um, and risk assets would probably sell off as a result of that. Yes. Certainly, yeah, that's certainly one to keep, keep an eye on the next, next few weeks leading up to the vote. Indeed, indeed, that's going to be uh, the main event, I think, uh, from here to the end of the year. Given that uh, central banks are unlikely to change course in any significant way, I think that, that there, there's two uh, many events to follow from here to the end of the year. One is the evolution of contagion numbers at both sides of the Atlantic, and the second is the US election. Yeah. And there's Brexit. And Brexit, of course, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get a resolution in that in the next few weeks. But yes, I think, I think okay, we'll move on to our final uh, topic, which is our spotlight currency of the week, and that's the Japanese yen. A bit of a topical currency at the moment, given the, as you mentioned, those wide range of uncertainties that we're currently seeing in the market. Uh, the yen is, of course, one of the chief safe haven currencies in the world, so it tends to rally during periods of intense investor concerns and sell off during these risk on periods. There are fewer uncertainties in the market. Uh, so, unsurprisingly, this year has been a pretty good one for the yen. It's been one of the better performers in the G10, up around 3% or so uh, versus the dollar since the start of the year and similar amount in trade weight terms. And that, my personal view is that I think as we move into that final quarter of the year, the next few weeks, I think we could actually see a bit more strength in the Japanese uh, currency, given those uncertainties in the markets that we've mentioned. 
there's a second wave of virus infection in Europe, presidential election, Brexit, of course, the crucial talks continuing in Brussels this week. Um, I'd still be pretty confident of a week again, longer term, once these political risk factors abate, and hopefully if we start getting some news on a potential vaccine for the virus, I think if we were to get news of a vaccine, that would be a massive signal for a week again, uh, and a rally in risk assets, in, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, but anyway, what do you both guys both think of the yen at the moment, and what do you think is potentially in store for the currency? I, I would agree with you. I think it has the potential to to rally somewhat more against the euro. It's uh, after the uh, the uh, general stock market rebound in August, it reached uh, uh, the heights for the last the, the, the versus the the euro was at the highest uh, it had been since the beginning of two thousand nineteen. Uh, again, the combination of the uncertainty, the, un, the the fact that it's unlikely that we'll get any more market moving news from central banks, um, and the uh, the fact that uh, we're still uh, the, like again, the market seem to be very long euro. Speculators seem to be still very long euro. All, all seem to indicate that it's going to be monthly. Uh, the, the easiest path for the yen from here to the end of the year is going to be downwards, but long term, yes, um, versus the euro, at least I would, I would expect the yen to depreciate. Yeah, I also agree with uh, with the fact that, well, with with your view that the yen is likely going to depreciate longer term, especially considering that uh, if we look at how the Japanese economy is performing in, in this pandemic, uh, it, it isn't really looking very well uh, at this moment. And I think that the rally that we have seen uh, in yen uh, in uh, mid-September uh, was uh, driven in large part by politics. So I would expect the yen uh, to be weaker longer term based on both the fact that the Japanese economy is not really looking to, to perform uh, quite well and the fact that as a safe haven, uh, it should underperform the risk assets if the coronavirus situation uh, improves going forward in the longer term. Uh, but uh, in the short term, I also uh, would not be uh, that convinced that the yen has a uh, really a, a strong uh, appreciation uh, likelihood uh, because uh, I think that it has been slightly overbought and I, I would expect the dollar to remain the favorite safe haven currency uh, right now. I'm a bit wondering what will happen to the Swiss franc in this context, uh, especially considering what's happening in Europe uh, regarding the coronavirus. Uh, but I don't, I would not favor the yen uh, neither in the short term nor in the longer term. Uh, I would say that uh, the dollar would be a better safe haven probably, and in the longer term there are much more reasons to be negative on the yen than there are positives, in my view. And that just about does it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the currency markets, visit Ebris website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app and let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear more on during upcoming podcasts. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a week's time. Thank you all very much for listening.